Hello, welcome to episode two of Owl and Foles Norwich City Football Club We Meet Again series. This is the podcast where we look back at the history between Norwich City and our next opponents. We discuss all the big games, historic matches, significant moments, player connections, any unusual quirks, trends, facts, or any talking points, all of which helped contribute towards Norwich's rich and colourful history. It's almost like I read that off a script, isn't it, Val? It is, yeah, it was. It was. Um, it didn't quite feel like Miles Davis and his moment no. improvisation jazz from the nineteen twenties. But it was, it's very wooden, isn't it? But, um, <laughs> That's all right. Fine, no, no worries. So, firstly, um, yeah, apologies, Val. You can hear I'm a bit croaky. Yeah, my baby daughter's managed to pass her virus onto me um, after a week of her coughing in my face. <laughs> We did record this a week ago and we had some technical issues. So it's going to be kind of the best of a bad bunch, this one, which one we end up releasing. Um, it's either going to be you in the cave. <laughs> yeah. Sounding, sounding like you're on a, a different planet. Or it's uh, going to be me with the, sounding with the frog like, in my throat. Yeah, sounding like Kermit. Yeah, we'll, just have to, we'll have to see what happens. <laughs> but, you know, I think it's fine. It's sounding fine so far, you know. Just let us know if you need a water break or something or some limbs. That's it. So uh, I, for way, Fowl, um, yeah, I have to apologise. This isn't going to be of the highest quality that we normally uh, produce. Yeah, no, uh, but, you know, life throws these obstacles in that way and we have to deal with them as best we can. So we'll, we'll crack on. The show must go on, as, um, I don't know, Bruce Springsteen or someone said. <laughs> That's it. We're pros to the end, aren't we? Exactly. Before we dive into episode two... I thought it's quite timely. I just wanted to get your thoughts on Josh Sargent, who we've signed a day before recording this. Yeah. Um, yeah, initial thoughts, initial impressions. How, how are you feeling in terms of pieces of the jigsaw puzzle? Uh, well, I'll be 100% honest. I don't know too much about him, really. Um, from what I gather, from what I've read, he's off the last shoulder, very fast, full of energy, that kind of thing. I saw him score a goal on... YouTube highlights, they look, you know, fairly, it was one cracking goal um, where he brought down a long pass, kind of like almost Emmy Bundier-esque. And, oh, I saw it, yeah. Yeah, that was, that looked, that looked decent. But again, the truth is, as is so often the case with Weber signings, I don't know much about him and uh, I just have to trust the system is what we need. It, it, I can't say too much more than that. I've never seen him play in real life and I doubt there's many Norwich fans who have really. Yeah, I... From what I've heard, he's more of a team man. What I've read about him is he'll put the work in. He's got the work ethic. Mm, exactly. He'll, do the, he'll start defending from the front, which is, you know, fart. Loves those sort of players, doesn't he? Exactly. The only doubt in my mind is putting the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, and that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? Or, you know, the $7 million question is however much it was this time around. Is he going to put the ball back in the net often enough? I don't know. I mean, he's a young lad. Um, he's obviously got still learning his trade. Um, and I personally think there's probably there's few better coaches in the world at the moment than Daniel Farker for putting these young players on. So they've obviously seen yeah. something. They are, obviously they absolutely wrapped in the stats and the and the optimization of, of these players. So. They know what they're looking for, so I'm absolutely sure, like Emmy Bundir and Timmy Puki, they will be able to go on and uh, reprove him and turn him into a top-quality player. From what I've read, he sounds similar mould to Puki, and that's fine. So, yeah, I, can't, I, I honestly don't know. He's very popular in American fans, so hopefully he yeah. will be the man. 
Exactly. We've got to be optimistic, haven't we? Based yeah. on some of the gems that they've found in the past. Exactly that. Faith in the system. I'm sure Norwich's skating team know a lot more than we do, based on our reading the odd article. I was going to say. EDP. I would say. A quick, a quick search on YouTube. Yeah. Because if someone splashed £7 million on him, or whatever it was, based on what I know about him, then that that, that is rather poor scouting. I've not even seen him on Football Manager or FIFA. So <laughs> I've not. So that's how little I know about him. You know, we've got a good a good team spirit in the club, and um, that's uh, it. he'll fit in, I'm absolutely sure of it, and hopefully he can kick on. Well, he's certainly got a, a baptism of fire, hasn't he? So episode one, we talked about Liverpool. Yeah. Who would have thought it could get any harder? So, yeah, next up, uh, they've gone from Main Road to the Etihad. They've gone from League One to the Premier League, believe it or not. It's the noisy neighbours in Manchester, isn't it? It's Manchester City. And, yeah, this is where the podcast feels on an altogether different level to Series One last year, isn't it? Yeah. This is so. What had we start off last year? Huddersfield, wasn't it? And was it Derby at home? Uh, Preston. Oh, Pre- oh, that's right. That's right. Preston. Yeah, it was, it was Huddersfield and Preston. This time around, we got Liverpool and Man City. That that's a little bit of a different. That's different gravy, isn't it? As the kids say. Yeah, it's hard to know where to start with them now that they've they've obviously added Jack Grealish to their Premier League winning squad. Yeah, getting borderline ridiculous if Kane goes as well, isn't it? It's just crazy. Obviously, there's Sergio Aguero, who is probably, I mean, he's, if he's not the best all-time Premier League striker, I mean, he's certainly in that conversation with Shearer and Henri and and uh, and Grant Holt, isn't he? So, yeah. um, he's, certainly, <laughs> he's certainly in that conversation. I think, it, I think his goals say it all. I'm, I'm not sure where he is on the list, but I'm sure he topped 200. Uh, he must be around there. I, I honestly don't know yeah. off the top of my head either, but he's absolutely one of the all-time greatest Premier League scorers. He's one of the best players I've ever seen in real life, and uh, he's going to be a big player to replace. Um, obviously, Harry Kane would go some way to doing that, mind you, and if you look at the talent they've got behind him, it's just going to be ridiculous. Like Jack Grealish, I mean, I love Sil- um, uh, Bernardo Silva. I think he's a wonderful player. I mean, it's yeah. just incredible. Obviously, Kevin De Bruyne is just absolutely class in his own isn't he just ridiculous it's and um unfair you mentioned sterling and foden foden sterling even look at the back the talent they've got the back there i mean it's just ridiculous and we're gonna have a job on our hands aren't we let's be honest I about mean, it well i mean no <laughs> prediction time at, at the end of the podcast but i'm not predicting <laughs> yeah. a win put it that way <laughs> i suppose the, the only thing you could say is at the end of the day, you can any ever have eleven players on the pitch. So no, you know uh, you can have the strongest squad in the world, but you can't play them all. Uh, this is true, um, but you can play a lot of them. That's the problem, isn't it? And uh, when they've got the, the thing is, where I think it really makes a difference is, especially now, you can name nine substitutes on the on the bench, obviously, as opposed to on the pitch, which is silly in itself. It, well, not silly, but it just seems bizarre. Not you know. So you're taking a squad of 20 to each game now to choose from. And where it really makes a difference, I believe, is when the game's not going your way. They have some of the talent they're going to have on the bench. I mean, they could have a bench with, like, Grealish, Foden and Sterling on it. And, like, things aren't going their way. Just chuck one, two, three of them on, and it's a totally different game all of a sudden. Whereas we're not going to have that chance. If we're managing to frustrate them, managing to hold them, managing to, like, maybe even nick a goal... uh, 
you know, that's great. But if it's the other way around, we're not going to be able to change it. You know, if we if they score two or three goals, we're not going to have the players on the bench to say, all right, well, goal or two down here, we better, you know, stick yeah. some Messi on or someone. We're not going to have that option. Yeah, and I think we talked about this last year where we felt it wasn't fair when they introduced the, the five substitutes instead of the three. Exactly, and this feels like another move in that vein. Interestingly today, though, I was looking at... Uh, VAR's going to change the season as well, was the other big news, isn't it, in the Premier League? They're readjusting offside. So, for example, Timu Puki, his goal against Tottenham would have stood under the the new rules. Right. What does that mean? They're going to backdate all the decisions? Unfortunately not. Well, they have done that, yeah, and it turns out it was still bottom. But anyway. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. It doesn't make much difference, does it? No, so that's next big change as well. So, But again, I think, you know, the players, you're going to look at what Man City are going to have. That's likely to benefit them a little bit more than it will benefit teams like us. But the pace and the movement they've got, I mean, it it is a Man City side. It's it's always been the way it is now, to a certain extent. The bigger teams have always had attracted the bigger players, but it just... Yeah, Pep Guardiola has spent nearly a billion pounds since he's been there. Really? Yeah, something like 945 million, something like that, including Grealish. So if it's Harry Kane, if Harry Kane's there by the time they play us, that would would tip them over the billion pound mark, which is just an incredible amount. It's just, you know, it's a mind-boggling amount of money. Considering that, obviously, there's the Greek lad flying in today for us, which is Christoph Zolis, I believe it's pronounced, something like that. He will be our first player to cost over... Ten million pounds, as has been reported, our first eight figure. Wow! So that's which is obviously huge money for us. We've spent fifty million pounds this off season so far, roughly. But I mean, compared to Man City, that's just absolutely nothing. Well, that's, is it? that's one player for them, isn't it? Or less than one player? Well, that's for them. Half, yeah, half, that's that's yeah. half of Jack Grealish. It's weird to think that they were in League One in the what nineteen ninety nine. I think they got promoted through the playoffs. So. Yeah, you know, twenty just over twenty years. Uh, a a and, story children will disbelieve you with now. <laughs> and I think we talked about this off fair. We they they're kind of in a different category of big clubs compared to Liverpool, Man yeah. United, and Arsenal, which have got that real historic sense of consistent achievement and trophies and um really ingrained in them whereas man city they they have been a lot more up and down like i think i don't know the stat itself but there's been many a time i'm sure in the past where we've finished above them um, exactly. even relatively recently they were mid-table premier league at best weren't they so this is it and i think when we i mean as you mentioned it's our second time recording this I, when i first time around i did describe them as not a big club which you pulled me up on and which is absolutely fair i mean they, they are objectively a big club but i think they're kind of a big club in the same way that newcastle are in that they've always had quite a big stadium they've always attracted quite a good number of fans but they've actually yeah. never, until recently, particularly done much, have they? They've never really won. The, I don't know. If they, yeah. You know, never, they've never been a consistent top flight winner. They've never won bag full of FA, yeah, FA Cups. They've certainly not ever done yeah. much in Europe. Uh, and not they're still trying to crack, yeah. to be fair. But it's really since the money's come in, have they transformed themselves into a genuine top six side? But they weren't. I mean, it wasn't that many years ago that, you know, they were getting thrashed by Middlesbrough, weren't they? Seven, eight, yeah, nine, nil, whatever it was. Seven, eight, eight, eight nil, was it seven nil, yeah. something like that? And the, you know, you had players, well, Sibierski playing. playing for them, you know. 
David James playing up front. David James playing up front over yeah. the guy on the striking a pinch. And so it shows how far this they've transformed in the last, particularly the last 10 years. And it is because of money, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, of course it is. Only one place to start, Phil, in this uh, We Meet Again episode, 14th September 2019. Uh, do you remember what you were up to that day? I was um, predicting a catastrophic Norwich City defeat followed by yep. absolute elation and jumping round review as somehow we managed to squeeze a victory out of the game. What was your recommendation to Daniel Farker before the game? Uh, my recommendation... Can you, can you remember? I'd have said before the game, I'll take anything under the record. Anything less than 9-0, I'll take there and then. And my recommendation to Daniel Farker was just get the game abandoned. You know, t- don't don't bother turning up. Yeah, just go for the free. Just accept the free or defeat and move on to next week. You literally wanted the club just to not turn up. Yeah, I thought. Uh, was... Would you want? Sorry, would you wanted them to let the fans know before doing that, or uh, well, would just... we have just been sitting around thinking what what's going on? Yeah, no. Just before we left, they texted us before we left the pub to say, "Don't don't worry, leaving lads. Stay in the pub. We're not going to bother today." I've been absolutely happy at that. No problem. <laughs> Where's your spirit and sense of belief in the in sport? Well, this is so. it. And in my, obviously, in, in my defence, I'm actually usually a painfully optimistic fan, actually. Um, and I, I kind of hate the attitude uh, that, you know, we can't win every game. I, I think actually we can. But I, I remember at the time we suffered so badly of injuries, particularly in crucial positions. Yeah. I genuinely thought we were going to struggle. But I do remember sitting at a pub with you and your brother, Graham, uh, before the game. And when the team news came through, and I remember you saying to me, looking at the starting 11, and he said, look at that, that's not too bad, is it? That's, I looked through, and, and, and to be fair, it wasn't actually. Um, obviously, Amadou at the back, which is out of position for him, but he had a monumental game that day and by yeah. far his best game for us, one absolute distance. Tessie was in midfield, played really well. McLean. Byron, big mention for him. I think that, well, that might have been his best game as well. Yeah, I remember Byron playing instead of Max Aarons. So presumably Max Aarons was injured, but I thought Byron is excellent. I even remember speaking after the game, probably with you. I actually felt that Byron did a better job than maybe Max Aarons would have been. Not that mm. obviously Byron is a better player. I'm not trying to clean up for a moment, but Byron's just not that attacking. And I bet he's a really good defender, and I thought he played excellently that day. And it was a game where it just all went right for us, didn't it? We played brilliantly. Yeah. Confident on the ball, like we were talking about yeah. last week, uh, you know, for the Liverpool podcast, we just kept on playing our way. Um, we broke their yeah. press a number of times and maybe rode a luck at times, but you're going to playing a team like that. Yeah, but I thought we played better in that game than we did. We talked about Liverpool home game last week. And we, we mentioned in that game that Liverpool didn't play well, but we didn't really show anything ourselves. Yeah. Whereas I thought we did show some intent and obviously we did score the goals. But even outside of that, it didn't look as one-sided as we all thought it was going to be. We did. It wasn't, a, I wouldn't describe it as being one of those games where we were desperately hanging on. I mean, we were because they scored quite late and they yeah. wanted to push, putting the pressure on. But it it didn't quite feel like that throughout the game. Yep. Hundred percent. It was a game that I think we were two 0 up at half time, weren't we? I believe. Well, certainly 
one no, two one. No, they two. they scored. Aguero scored quite late. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're quite right. And then it's just after half time we went three one up, and it all felt yeah, it felt relatively comfortable. I remember Aguero having a headed chance which went quite close. That was in the first half actually. Though um, in the second half, I didn't really think they created that much. You know, it wasn't like the smashing the door in um, until. Uh, they scored quite late on, and a good quality finish as well, straight from outside the box. Yeah. Was it Rodri? I can't remember now. Um, it was, yeah. yeah. You know, you're going to yeah. be, at least from the crowd's point of view, you're going to feel like you're hanging on, aren't you? If you're going into the last five minutes, one goal up against any team, you're going to be under pressure, aren't you? Yeah. Because that's the nature of football. You sit back to protect what you've got. The yeah. team, you know, push forward, push men forward. So, absolutely. Not unexpected. I remember they... They did bring the big guns on in the second half. We talked about yep. strength of bench. And I remember De Bruyne coming on and yeah. Mares. Yeah. And I'm not sure who else, but I'm sure there was a couple other big names came on and it, it was a bit relentless at times. But yeah, I I completely agree with your pessimism as I was in the same boat. I didn't quite go as far as forfeiting the game. I'm, <laughs> um, no, I'm not quite sure what the repercussions would would have been beyond the <laughs> the free pint, well, uh, the free goal. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> mate, it's slightly tongue in cheek, but I do remember you were going to put a bet on Norwich winning, like a quid or something, and I I yeah. talked you out of it. I was like, that, that, it's just ridiculous. You might yeah. as well take your money and just chuck it out the window. Absolutely pointless. So sorry about that. I was going to go three two Norwich with McLean first goal. <laughs> yeah, but, well, you talk, talk about it. Um, but you're right. It was it was always one of those Hollywood type scripts. The fact that the odds were so stacked against us, weren't they? Uh, this is it. Because let's let's make no mistake about this. They were at the time, and still obviously are now. In fact, more so now. They were one of the best teams in the world. And, uh, you know, reigning Premier League champions. And we are talking about, well, I'm not just talking about club sides. I mean, that Man City side will beat most international teams. Flying from winning the league. And they didn't just win. You know, obviously, Liverpool pushed them close that season. I think they won. But, you know, they won it by a huge margin. That was absolutely some victory against them. The Premier League is not, as the phrase sometimes go a farmer's league it's a it's one of the best leagues in the world as we found out that season as well um so yeah that's as good as we're ever likely to face the last thing i would mention on that particular game is i was quite disappointed in as much as i was elated in the result i was disappointed that we should feel like that in a league game yeah because to me a league's a league where you're all in it on merit and it, it felt like a cup giant killing didn't it and we were some you know almost non-league lower league club yeah battling uh, against a giant of the game and I, I felt a bit a little bit disheartened it took a bit of an edge away that when everyone was celebrating like mad at the end of the game a, a little bit of me was thinking this doesn't feel right for, which was basically a, a home win in a, in a league match. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's the sign of what's happened to the league, isn't it? And we've talked about this a few times, and no doubt we'll mention it again as the season progresses. 
that it's not fair anymore. It's not competitive anymore. It's not like it was back in the early 90s where you genuinely went to every game yeah. thinking we've got a shout of winning this one, particularly at home. And it didn't matter whether it was a relegation season or a promotion season. Oh, sorry, or, you know, relegation season or a, or a high-performing season. You genuinely felt you had a chance in every game. And that's absolutely true. It's a sign of where football's come, unfortunately. And it's a bit sad, really. And... This comes back to the old existential crisis of promotion, doesn't it? It does. It's we like... seem to... This gets brought up um, all the time now that we're in the Premier League, doesn't it? Yeah. What is actually the point? And if you start yeah. thinking about it too much, you start thinking, ah, oh, maybe there isn't any point. So we'll skip over that one. We're, we'll... getting, we're getting too deep. <laughs> Philosophical, um, yeah. Psychology, I mean. <laughs> well, but it is true, though. I mean, it is, a, it is ultimately what is the point. And I think we've both agreed that what we'd like to see is Norwich... At least build a side which is capable of competing in one of the cup competitions. Obviously, the FA Cup. Best atmosphere you've experienced at a game? Yeah, it was. Or maybe outside of the playoff? I would say even rather to play a final. I mean, it was it's certainly the best atmosphere. I mean, the best atmosphere I've seen at Carroll Road, I think the victory over Derby, when um, we obviously under Paul Lambert, that was some occasion. The Obviously, the playoff final was some atmosphere. But I think this is actually probably the best out of all of them. I think it was the most elated I've ever seen the crowd. I'm going to kind of brush over the away game that season. It was the last game of the, the season. Um, yeah. I remember no one really wanted to play it. I mean, again, mm. probably your idea of forfeiting it would have been the best option. Yeah. Um, there was no appetite for it at all, was there? The only thing that worked in our favour was I don't think there was anything riding on it for them. So they... You know, they probably took their foot off the gas a little bit. It was David Silver's last City game. Yep. It's obviously a club legend for them. And a Premier League uh, legend. What a player he was. Yeah. Oh, Which he was. still is, to be fair. And, uh, yeah, a very predictable 5-0 defeat. Yeah. Um, and you've got to say it was very one-sided. That was basically the the final chapter of a pretty tragic post-lockdown running, wasn't it, really? Where any hope yeah. of an escape was well and truly smashed out of us. And that was, like I say, obviously already relegated by then. Man City, you're quite right, we're already, already finishing second by then. They couldn't do anything else but that. Um, and it's just as well, really, because if they were in the mood to really hurt us, I'd just... You know, again, we would have been looking at the record again. So anything less than that, um, it was yeah. a pretty tragic, sad way to end, unfortunately. Yeah, it was. Um, moving on to a couple of more um, memorable moments. Uh, these are back in the days when we were, were more equals. Um, first one I'm going to uh, bring to your mind, Val, is the opening home game of the 2001-2002 season. Uh, Kevin Keegan's Manchester City were in town and a certain Mark Libra scored a debut goal after 11 seconds. Absolute belter, wasn't it, as well? What it a was. goal. 11 seconds. Did he, did he come on as a substitute? I think he, I I think he, he did. did. I was there for this game. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he came on as a sub and scored almost straight away. Yeah, and that was great. We won that game, didn't we? Yeah, we won that game 2-0, but they, they, went they up. ended up... Yeah, they were champions that year. I think that that was the season we ended up in the playoffs. Yeah. So, yeah, we won the battle, but they certainly won the war that season. Yeah. Um, Mark Libra, he can be a little bit of a cult hero. Yeah. 
I follow him on Twitter, actually. Still quite keen on Norwich. He tweets mainly in French, which is, you know, obviously fair enough being a Frenchman. So um, I'm not complaining about that, but I don't quite always know what he's talking about, obviously. But yeah, he seems to be quite keen on Norwich. I think he led like the the French Canaries to the playoff final. Oh. I think he's quite involved with that. So he obviously he's got a bit of soft spot for us, which is great because he didn't really do much, did he? It was only there for that season, I believe. I made a note that he he ended his Norwich City career on seven goals. Yeah. Now I'm not sure how they whether they all came in that that one season, but I think you're probably right. I think he was only there for that season. Yeah, and it was it was that goal against Man City. It was all, it proved to be a little bit of a false dawn. Really, he didn't quite um, ever live up to the hype that that goal gave him, uh, and which is a bit of a shame because obviously that was um, a very skillful finish. So he obviously got it. Obviously had it in him, um, but yeah, he, he never quite kicked on, which is a bit of a shame. But a, like, a cult hero nonetheless. A little bit of a Gaza Euro '96 goal wasn't it yeah exactly like that absolutely that was very very much in that ilk sort of flicks over the defender's head and volleyed it in not quite as spectacular as Gazza's but it was definitely along those lines um but yeah Yeah. so never quite kicks on but we've heard this story many times before with Norwich strikers haven't we uh Josh Sargent (laughs) well hopefully not Will he beat that? That's a good target isn't it 11 seconds yeah well hopefully if he does it this weekend you know I'll get him knighted (laughs) <laughs> and then Keegan brought his Man City team back a few seasons later when we were both in the Premier League Monday night football and <laughs> this has got to be one of the Premier League's iconic moments it, it's always cropping up on any of these uh, football's funniest moments yeah um, Delia's half time I've put outburst here I don't know if outburst is a, uh, an accurate description but it was a rallying call to the troops after, you know, we've gone 2-0 up and I think it's been overlooked by the, the Delia moment, but there was actually a absolutely cracking goal by Dean Ashton yeah, where the ball kind of dropped over his shoulder and he, he kind of sort of flick-follied it over the keeper and they pulled it back to 2-2 and I think the pressure of the relegation battle was beginning to kick in. It was probably a, like a, a, I don't know, February, um, so certainly getting towards the latter end of the season. Yeah. What were your memories? I presume you weren't at the game. Uh, no, I wasn't actually, but I did watch it. That was back in my hockey playing career. Um, so I wasn't a season ticket holder at the time. Uh, I didn't go to the game, but I did watch it on Monday night TV and actually skived off hockey training so I could watch it. And I remember Sky showing it, showing Delia. I can't remember. I, I presume it was obviously um, recorded. And then they said, just, have a look at this, everyone. And saw Dealey come out, give the rallying cry. I do remember we're doing okay at halftime and then we went on to lose the game. I remember the Dean Ashton yeah. goal, which actually isn't mentioned enough, maybe because of Delia and maybe because we lost the game ultimately. But that is up there with an all-time Norwich great, that goal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I do remember it and I quite liked it, actually. I, lo- I love Delia. I'm, I'm 100% I was gonna... Delia fan club yeah. member. I mean, it's really, I think it really split the fan base between some fans really like the passion and really backed it, really like, that's what they want to see from, from their owner. Yeah. And then you've got the other set that found it a bit embarrassing and it, it kind of, the club became a bit of a, a bit of a laughing stock amongst other fans from, from other clubs. And 
I think it really, yeah, divided opinion. Uh, I'm probably in your camp, really. I yeah. I don't think it was a bad thing. I mean, like, oh, I think it's great. I, I love how much he loves the club. I think it's great. I think it's awesome. I mean, it didn't quite work out. I understand why people are embarrassed by it, but she's, um, it's certainly giving everyone a moment. It's, some, it's something that opposition fans obviously throw back in our faces, so to speak, even now. But I don't care. It's great. That I loved it. I thought she really showed it. Fair play to her. Good old yeah. girl. Yeah, exactly. Just don't do it every week, I guess. Yeah, once a career is enough. <laughs> so, moving on. Um, Manchester City, they've always been a bit of a fawn in our side. Do you remember Coventry last season, Phil? Yep. And I think I gave you a, a Coventry stat that left you speechless. I've not slept since I heard that stat, yeah. <laughs> it was a ridiculously bad. Uh, run of games we had against them and Man City's not that much better to be perfectly honest so the tone was kind of set in the first game back in 1938 a league game uh, they beat us 4-1 um, the following season they beat us 5-0 and then the first consistent run of games between us and them between 1964 and 1980 so I think most of the or well, a, a decent chunk of these would have been in the top flight we had nine draws and eight defeats against them. And then we had another run of eight defeats and three draws. So, yeah, a couple of bad runs there. Main Road, um, we had 18 consecutive trips to Main Road without a win, 13 of those defeats. Yeah, that's not great, is um, it? I found this one particularly, um, I don't know if impressive is the right word or, or <laughs> depressing. In 1975-76, we played them five times in one season um, because we drew them in the Cups. Yeah. And we lost all five games, including our heaviest ever League Cup defeat, 6-1. And then, just to top it all off, they're also responsible for our biggest FA Cup defeat. They beat us 6-0 in the fourth round in 1981, and that was the season that they made it to the final. And you remember the, the Ricky Filia goal for Tottenham? Yeah, yeah, I do, yeah. Yeah, that, it was that season. So, right. yeah, what, what do you make of that? It's You can't really turn any positives on that, can you? I mean, if you speak to someone now who's under 30, they would just say, well, I totally expect that, sort of like statistically yeah. coming out. But actually, I mean, we were a similar club. We've always been on a sort of similar level to them throughout those days. It, it's incredible that we've not done... We've actually probably done better in the last 10 years than some of those runs against them. Yeah. Albeit when yeah, we have lost, we tend to lose. Yeah, when we have lost, we have tended to lose quite heavily. But, I mean, we've got a draw against them recently. We've beaten them twice, haven't we? Grant Holt's last goal for us. And it's, um, yeah, it's spine-chillingly bad. I mean, incredible. Do you think there's any fan out there who went to Main Road on those 18 consecutive trips? <laughs> I mean, there, I, there would have been one, wouldn't there? I expect so. There's, there's some poor soul who did that and probably thought on, on like game number 16, this is the one. I've got a good feeling today, lads. Don't worry about it. And oh, no, he lost again. Incredible. You'd be gutted. The trip that you did finally call it a day and stop going was the one that we beat that. Who do exactly, <laughs> which is likely to win, and it must have again. That must have happened to someone as well. They must have like, nope, I'm not going this year. Oh, we're one, brilliant. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, and, and to account for two of our 
record defeats. That takes some doing, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, again, because it's back in the days when they weren't a particularly bigger side than us. It's like obviously we're kind of feeding in the same pond at the time. Uh, yeah, that's incredible, and it's scary. The thing is, we, I, I remember mentioning this when we previously recorded this, but we seem to have a lot of these teams like Coventry, Man City, you know, where we've had terrible runs against them. We don't seem to have them the other way around, do we? <laughs> There's not a team <laughs> come up where, we've, where it's been like, actually, like we are absolutely their bogey team, and you know, we won sort yeah. of 15 at last 18 times we played them. Isn't it? The only one that springs to mind is the the last episode we did back last season in the Barnsley. Yeah, that's the only one that kind of refers to that stat. Exactly. But you're right, and you know we haven't even mentioned the the biggest one as as yet because we haven't had the opportunity to do the podcast. But whenever we get to do Fulham, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, just to just to pre warn you, yeah, that's gonna we can uh, you'll be rendered speechless. Yeah, so. we, we're gonna have to do some sort of like advisory kind of on it, aren't we? This 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 yeah. podcast is not for the faint hearted. Yeah, just remember Fulham. Yeah, exactly. Yes, I'll say no more <laughs> on that. So, I guess you you were generally right. I'm gonna maybe mention that we were very similar clubs of similar levels, but Man City. Probably were still that that notch above us in terms of of, of size and, and, and prior success, and that was the only reason I mentioned that was because that was evident in uh, one of our most famous and long-standing managers, John Bond, who really consolidated Norwich in the top flight, and I think he's our second ser- longest-serving manager, yeah. and he could be overtaken by Daniel Farker, yep, which would be. An incredible achievement. Who would have thought that? Yeah, back in two thousand and seventeen. But he was attracted to the Man City job. He left Norwich to go up and take the challenge up there. I guess it's it's the old sleeping giant syndrome, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. That you mentioned earlier. I, I guess another sign that they were probably a few levels above us is that they actually came. John Bond came back to Norwich and purchased. One of our up and coming strikers, Kevin Reeves, for one point two five million, which was our first had many of them now, but our first million pound transfer fee. Yep. What probably one of the first million pound transfer fees in the whole game. So you know, obviously uh, a massive statement of intent from Manchester City at the time. Mm-hmm. Doesn't compare to these days, does it? One point two five. Uh, no, but back then that was serious money. Yeah, exactly. Oh, huge! The funds were actually used to redevelop the River End, so we may have lost a highly promising striker, but you know, silver linings and that. Yeah, the River End got got redeveloped. You can have a nice cup of and, tea at half time. Yeah, and watch us go down. Yeah, exactly. But to be fair, uh, with hindsight, it makes a big difference, but. Um, Kevin Reeves was injury prone and it never really happened for him at, at Main Road. He ne- His career never took off. Um, and the fact that John Bond signed him for Norwich in 1977 for 50k, big, big profit. And a bit like the Darren Eady transfer, I think we got a lot of money and, and then the player never really played yeah. any games for the club that he went to. All in all, it was a cracking bit of business. But at the time, 
Reeves was our, he was only the second Norwich City player to be capped by England. The first was Phil Bowyer back in 1976. And I think I mentioned this to you last time in that we've never really had many, if a handful of players that have been capped by England. Mm. Is that because players, by the time they get to that level, have tended to have moved on to pastures new? Or do you think there's a bit of bias there, which a lot of clubs seem to get overlooked when it comes to, to England? Yes, all above, basically. I mean, I think generally players, up-and-coming players, will have moved on by the time they get to England level. Or there's a bit of bias there for maybe older players, for example, uh, Grant Holt. I've still not got over him not getting called up for England. But I thought back then, actually, was it 2012 Euros, was it? I actually felt he was as good as anyone, England-wise, in yeah. terms of league performance. As Leeds fans will be saying about Bamford at the moment, although I don't think Bamford should have gone to Euros. Uh, as, and we didn't have loads of strikers at the time, so I felt a bit of bias crept in there. However, goalkeepers, we've got a fairly good record. It must have been Chris Woods, I presume, played for England when he was with us. Yeah. Um, and we got... Um, did Rob Green? Well, Rob Green... And, and I think John Ruddy. Yeah, Rob Green and John Ruddy both got in the squads. Um, I don't think either of them actually got a cap when they were with us, though, if I remember rightly. But they both certainly were in around the squads. There's also... There's always rumours about Bradley Johnson getting fairly close. But, I mean, probably... I'm not sure how, how true that actually was, actually. Much as I love Bradley Johnson, and to be fair, but I think that first time he was in the Premier League with us, it was a little bit of a rumour about him sort of like being looked at. Um, but yeah, I'd, it's a bit of both. I mean, I think it's, there is a bit of bias. There's no doubt about it. Uh, if you look at some of the players who aren't getting into the team compared to some of them who are, you know, you think, well... And you understand that for like Jack Grealish, for example, moving to Man City... If you get established or even half established in the Man City side, you're basically guaranteed to start for England, aren't you? You know. Yeah. Um, so you can totally understand that. I think it is a thing, definitely. What do you think? Yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, if if we look at the current squads, the sort of the players that potentially could break into the England setup, uh, obviously Max Aaron's and Todd Campwell. Um, Aaron's probably slightly ahead of Campwell. Yeah. Um, would both of them have been in the England squad for the Euros if they'd played for a, a more glamorous named Premier League club last season? That's a good question. And had a decent season? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think that the problem is both those players have got at the moment is they are both, <laughs> both in positions where there's a hell of a lot of competition. I mean, we have got more right backs in that squad at the moment than of, you know, we've had in the last 20 years. It's just ridiculous. And um, it, it, you know, in a good way. And the same with Campwell. Yeah. is obviously in the same feeding pool as Mason Mountain, Foden, and, you know, Grealish to a certain extent. Like, it's just in that same feeding pool. So it's going to be very tough for him to break in. So whether he'd, they'd moved on to, say, Aston Villa, for argument's sake, whether they'd also broken the England team, I don't yeah. know. Maybe so, but I don't know. That's a big ask. Max Aaron's, like you say, probably more likely to be because obviously, particularly as he's touted with Barcelona, Bayern Munich at different times, you know, Everton yeah. to a lesser extent, no offence, Everton. Um, so, yeah, probably Max, Aaron, Max Aaron's more likely to have done, but they've both got some work to do. It's also worth pointing out, though, when we mentioned bias, it's worth pointing out that Emmy Bundy has got in the Argentina squad from Norwich. You know, yeah. 
You can't imagine That's... an England player doing that. Although I think actually Darren Eady did get in England squads for 96, I reckon, but then pulled out for injury. But that would have been from obviously yeah. the championship. Yeah, it's sad to say that I think both of them will break in at some point, but I don't think it will be when they're still at Norwich. Yeah. And that's the nature of the beast, isn't it? I agree. Yeah, I agree with you 100% there. I think that's the thing. They are going to move on to pastures new, and that's when they're likely to get a bit more seriously looked at by England. And fair enough, but all we can hope for is that let's enjoy them while we've got them, you know. And then moving on to final thoughts. So the the only one I've... Uh, made a note of here is the uh, the Johnny Hasten wonder goal. Do you remember the uh, dribble from the halfway line? Yeah, on a a famous victory. You mentioned that we've actually had probably more success against them in recent times than we have uh, historically. Yeah, in some of those runs. Yeah, this is it. And Johnny Hasen goal was a cracker, wasn't it? Um, absolutely brilliant. Kind of a jinking run. He must have beaten three or four players. Uh, I can't remember, is it Micah Richards or was it Vincent Company? It was one of, I think it was Micah Richards. I think, I think Company. It was a company. Yeah. He, he, he dumped company. on his backside and yeah. uh, and then calmly finished. I mean, it was one of the best goals. A Man City team, which maybe were starting to apply their suntan from the deck chairs to a certain extent and clearly weren't happy yeah. the manager then. Was that, that was Mancini, though, wasn't it? He was obviously then gone on to win the Euros yeah, with it, Italy. It was 2012. Mm. Um, 13 yeah it's it's amazing what a difference it makes when we're safe we confirmed our Premier League status the week before of that uh, 4-0 against West Brom yeah when the pressure's off different ball game isn't it uh, exactly, it makes a huge difference. And because that season, actually, that was Chris Hutton's first season, wasn't it? And I think I said that was yeah. Grant Holt's last goal for us, but I don't think it was actually. I think I might have lied about that. Or, or was it? I can't remember now. I think you're right. Yeah, no, I think it was was his last goal. Yeah, that's Mark Kelsey as well. His last game refereeing, wasn't it? Which is um great. And that was his last goal for us. I'm sure you. I think I'm right actually because that's then the Wolf came in the following season, didn't he? And sort of like a, took yeah. his position, so to speak. Uh, but an incredible goal. I think Jack Rodwell got, I think, both goals from Man City, didn't he, that day? I think he won 3 2, didn't we? He did, yeah. Another sort of name which has fizzled out a little bit. Yeah, and we played beautiful playing football, pressures off. We looked like we kind of, the shackles were released a little bit. And at the same time, Man City looked like maybe they weren't quite the races, managers on yeah. the way out, kind of a few players there not necessarily planning on being there next season. And, you know, yeah. good victory, that. Yeah, and do you think in the away end was the person who'd been on the 18 consecutive away trips oh, yeah. back in the uh, 60s, 70s and 80s? Do you think <laughs> do you think they were there for this one? You'd love to think so, wouldn't you? You'd love to think he was like, you know what, this season, I'm, I'm just going to go along again and see what happens, you know, why not? I'm, you know, I'm not a youngster anymore. I'm not going to do many more away trips. Let's, let's just go along for the day. Yeah. And hopefully he was absolutely jumping around like we were at Man City Home a couple of years ago. It will last you a year and a half ago. That'd be great. Okay, uh, you got any more thoughts or comments on Man City before we move on? Oh, uh, there's a, I mean, there's a few things that we, uh, that to mention. There was the, the Carlos Tevez goal swing incident wasn't there oh yeah was that his first game or his first goal or his was he banned for a few games he Didn't was he AWOL yeah when AWOL was golfing in Argentina That's wasn't it. he and he and he came back and uh, was integrated into the team. Uh, that was definitely his first goal back. I'm pretty sure it was his first game back as well. Uh, but yeah, definitely his first goal back. And I remember watching him do the goal swing into the away end. 
Um, I'm, I'm, the goal was a cracker as well. It is what I'm thinking of. It's the same goal. With absolute, this ridiculous strike from a crazy angle, which, I mean, it was like one of those ones from about 25 yards out, which beat Ruddy at the near post. So that was one thing which was always worth mentioning. But did Darren Huckey become from Man City as well? Pretty sure he did, but I'm, don't quote me. You're that. right. He certainly played yeah. a lot of games for Man City, uh, or was at Man City no. at some point. I'm pretty sure he came from Man City. You are you're right because uh, it was when it was going back when Keegan was in charge. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's a good one, Phil. I've forgotten that. So a bit of an affinity there for Man City. It's all about the predictions now of Zoom, isn't it? What's going to um, happen next? Yeah, so we'd already done these. Yeah, um, I can't remember which way round. Is someone went for a three nil and someone went for a five nil. Yeah, I went for a five nil. Um, and I think I put this scenario to you last time in that. Say we emerge from this game with six points on the table after Liverpool and Man City, what would that do for the club and for the season? Or would it would it be a false storm? I mean, we're obviously operating on very hypothetical levels here. I mean, but you could not help but extract a huge amount of confidence from that. I mean, if we could get six points, even three points out of these two games, right, you'd absolutely be on cloud nine. Would you take one point? Yeah, I think I probably would, actually, if I'm honest. Um, I mean, no, I wouldn't actually. I, I'd, I'd want to go into both games, hoping we'd win against one one of them. I wouldn't take a, a point in advance. However, uh, I think if we get a point, I think we'd have done well. But you don't think we should be looking at forfeits in this game? You think we should give it a go? Uh, well, we've dodged we've dodged a bullet this week, haven't we? Because obviously Messi all of a sudden became free, and I was thinking to myself, "Hang on a minute, they've just got Jack Grealish. Messi suddenly appears in the Man City shirt as well." But obviously he's gone to PSG, so um, so maybe maybe it's a good omen. Maybe, maybe we don't need to worry about forfeiting it. Uh, my concern last time round was basically was players. We had such so few players and hopefully yeah this point we're going to be at least at what we describe as close to full strength and um are you going to stick with the five uh yeah i think so i I mean obviously i don't mean to sound too pessimistic i go into any game hoping we can win it we've all been here with football before where you get crazy results and games which just go your way uh and hopefully we replay this fixture a hundred times there will be one scenario where we win it. That's it. That's what. Yeah, but that was two years ago. <laughs> well, it yeah, may be. No, but I'm, 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 I'm hoping that there's always that chance. But if I'm making a prediction about what I think would most likely be to happen, it's going to be, it's going to be a five nil to them. Obviously, okay. just in case you're wondering which way I was falling on that one. <laughs> yeah, I could have got you on a technicality. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I think the voice just about held up, didn't it? Ah, uh, sounded good, mate. Excellent. No, thanks for your time. And um, we'll be back soon. I think we'll do uh, be able to do the Leicester episode face-to-face. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, yeah, me too. So in the Leicester game will be the first game we will... Sorry, be the last game we'll do before we see the new players more than likely. So, um, yeah, it's going to get interesting from now on, isn't it? It is. Well, thank you very much for your time, Phil. Good talking to you. Thank you so much. It's been fun as always. I'll catch you soon. Catch you yeah. soon. Bye, mate. Bye.